This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 45 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, Patty shares her experiences getting through Hurricane Harvey in Houston. The breed of the show is the Labrador Retriever. Hedward chimes in on storm preparations for dogs. In Critter Nutrition, Tigger shares information on the latest Biostar products. And in Coffee Clatch, we share storm preparedness tips. Join us. So here we are, episode 45. Woohoo! It's almost a year, ladies. Almost a year. Two years. Two, year, two, two years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like two an old years? Pro? Actually, I think there's a. Yes. I feel old. I, I don't know if I I'm a pro do. Part. I feel very professional. <laughs> one of the best so things. So it's perfect. Time. The old one and the pro one. Right, right. Well, the funny thing is, is when with this, when we first started doing this, I think, I don't know how many episodes it took. And I called Tigger and I just said, hey, Tig, I, I need to ask you a question. She's like, what, Patty P? And I said, do you ever listen to the show? And she goes, no, I hate my voice. And I started laughing. I'm like, I'm afraid to listen too. So I think we've both, fortunately, hopefully have gotten over that. But it I've is gotten uh, over that. Yeah. Well, you, you should get over it. You have a great radio voice. Oh, thanks. Tigger's it doesn't laugh sound is the great best. To me. Tigger has a, has a very good laugh. Has an excellent. She laugh. does. Yes, she does. <laughs> That's right. Indeed. So bef- before we get into the uh, meat and potatoes, so to speak, of our show today, I wanted to pose a question to Patty P. Yes. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> okay. Having never done the um, annual trek south to compete. Like so many folks mm-hmm. do, they, they go from the, the northern states, they head all down to Ocala or Wellington to compete for the winter. At, right. At what point during the year do you decide which horses are going to make the trek? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, huh, it, it, I guess every year that changes depending the on the clientele. Customers. Yeah, the paying <laughs> customers. I was that was gonna say that, Tigger, but I wasn't gonna be the ones that put cash in my hands that grease my thumb. Um, you know, my business um over the last couple of years changed a little bit um to being more more people that actually take lessons um instead of me training the horses just because of the nature of where I am in Houston. So this, this upcoming year, um, I can't go for the period of time that I used to, because I have a 15 year old son that is very active in football and, um, and Peter's on the road, so I can't leave him home. So it's not like, you know, Peter can come home and be with him. So I only go for about a month to six weeks. And so I, I like to take, what I like to do for myself is I take the, the normal girls that I have in, or people that I have in training, um, that want just the kind of that experience. And Mm -hmm. they also like to go, uh, watch me ride and take lessons because that's always my opportunity to get training as well. So honest and truly for me, this upcoming year is, um, I have a limited amount of people, um, 
and it really depends on if they can financially do it because it's you know it's a it's a quite an undertaking um going down and you know renting stalls and doing all that because that's another expense and the barn that you leave because I don't own the barn that I'm at I'm just the trainer there they have to pay board there too so a lot of people are paying double board and so it really just it boils down to um a lot of people that can afford it and that are comfortable doing it um and so that's where I am right now previous years, it always had to do with the horses that I had, if I was going to sell a horse or, um, most of the horses that I had that were my own, I was always going down for training. So they always went. Um, but I think it's gotta be pretty similar for most people that go. It's just a function of, um, you know, you have to have a certain number in your head that, you know, you have to take so that you can afford to be there. Obviously we can't take time off. Um, even though this is enjoyable, um, but I think a lot of it depends on just really that the, the clients that can financially handle it so and be able to do it. At what point during the year do you say, okay, I have to have a f- my finite number now? Um, you know, for me, you know, previously um, when I was going places, I always knew approximately how many horses I wanted to take. I went to a, a, a place for two years that was really um, – it's uh, the, how small of a world it is because the, the barn was built by one of the people here in Texas that I eventually got to meet and was owned by somebody that lived in New Hampshire. But it was just kind of like all the Texas people are like, well, we know that barn, that's Sue Stone's barn. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of funny um, how small the world is, but um, I, I start to tell people um, now, are you interested? This is when I think I'm going. Um, I right now, teach, uh, or ride about anywhere from 10 to 14 a day. So I know that I can at least very easily manage eight to nine. And I just need to know that I can get off the property and then go take my own lessons. So, um, I will limit myself to about probably about eight or nine and, um, I will, um, extend it to the people that I asked last year, um, who want to go. I already have kind of an idea of who wants to do it this year. Um, so what month are we in? We're in September. September. Yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much now I'm asking people because then I'll start to. I've got people that my daughter actually lives in in Wellington year round, and then I have a couple people that are there um, that have been they're working students that have that have like ended up staying in Florida, and they'll always look at barns and stuff for me. So for me, I start to ask now. Yeah. Um, most people, but I'm unusual because most people that do this are going to go down for a season. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm two years of away from being able to go down for season again, just because of my son getting through high school and whatnot. I know it's interesting that you say that I never, I never thought about the aspect of professional riders going down in order to take advantage of the coaching opportunities available for available from world-class riders who come to Wellington for the season. I never thought about that. Yeah, that was, yep. That was a big part of it. Well, that's the whole reason I, I, I ever went. Um, because, you know, everywhere I've ever been, especially in Virginia, there's shows, you know, up until October and they start again in March. So you get a couple months off. Um, but for me, it was always, I was going down for me to get the training and most of my clients were going down a, because they had a horse for sale or B, they wanted to show on that circuit or they wanted to watch me train, you know, and have fun with that. Um, but that's really, that's a huge part of it as to why people professional would even go down because otherwise there's really, you know, what's the point 
and right. going down. You can get you can get it locally. Yeah. It just depends on what your goals are, and, and you know you I have live. been yeah because depending and, on where you live, yeah. you really yeah. can't get the competitions locally. You know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I have always been and so the level of competition. Right. Exactly. exactly. I mean, and that's I just mean, gotten better and better and better. I mean, when I first started going down, we well, well where Tigger and I met um, yeah. was in Venice Beach. Ninety. Yep. And it was um, the beginning of the circuit. It was the beginning of the circuit, and we would go over for two or three dressage shows, and we were just the the peons that got to. We would go to WEF, <laughs> and they'd have these. They had their their big permanent barns and we would be in the tents all the way on the outside and every year we'd have one good rainstorm that would flood us out and you know we'd all trek back and be like oh we're never going back again and then we come back you know every year (laughs) yeah every year it got bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden we're like hey why are we going over there when we could just go to wellington Mm -hmm. um yeah but the evolution of how wellington has has happened i mean people that go there now have no clue i mean Grand Prix Village wasn't even there. I mean, that was all Malaluka trees, and you know, it's just it's just kind of it funny. Was all it, it polo all... fields around well, Pearson. Oh, sir, and yeah, South absolutely, Shore. absolutely. That's all it was, and mm-hmm. and Weff itself was just a a bowl, and you sat on the grass looking yep. over the, the Grand Prix jumping area, which was grass. Yep. Um, I, I mean, we were in the very infant stages of Weff, and what it's become is been it's shocking ama- amazing well well and just to see the different cycles yeah well we're going to cross our fingers that um 7 to 10 days from now uh, wellington still looks like wellington and yeah. and is not gator infested floodlands again which brings us to our topic of the day this is this is sort of the uh, all hurricane episode <laughs> this time around yes. for obvious reasons if you've been yes. living under a rock uh, the Texas coast has, and part of Louisiana has just gotten through suffering the, uh, the downpours and endless deluge of Harvey. And they're yeah. all now struggling to clean up the giant mess that got left behind. And the Keys and Florida are just now getting ready to have, to have Irma come on shore and do her business here. So we're crossing our fingers that that works out for the best for everybody. So we thought it would be timely to talk a little mm. bit about hurricanes, past, present, and future. Yes. So um, I just want to introduce um, our listeners to the fact that um, Patty P. just survived Hurricane Harvey in Houston. So, Patty, um, if you would share with our listeners your experiences and what you learned. and Well, um, as Tigger, as I said to you earlier, I can actually do some of this today without actually wanting to cry. Um, I would like to start off by saying a couple of things. Um, you know, I've lived in Texas four years. Um, I have been through, um, a hurricane in Florida. Um, I have actually also been through a horrific flood in Virginia. Um, this was just, um, those experiences really helped me with this. The one thing I'm going to say unsurpassed really anywhere I've ever lived. And is that there is just something about the people in Texas. They are amazing. Um, with all the stuff that has been happening in, um, the news, you know, in the last month, there was, um, there wasn't a person, you know, there wasn't a person out there. If someone had a boat, they were in disgusting waters trying to save people and it's endless. And, um, and everybody, um, who reached out to try to help it, it, it and send money and send stuff. It, you know, it was just, 
it was so appreciated and it helped so much in so many, um, you know, as this whole thing came on, I have a, I have a girl that, um, I have two roses in my life. One that, um, it works for me in the barn and she basically is our, um, is, you know, my manager. She, you mean I'm not one of them. I'm a thorn. No, you're not a rose. (laughs) I just got that. I got it. No, you're my Tigarelli. Um, and she told me that the storm, you know, she's like, oh, look at this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's from England. So anything like this is just going to seem odd to her. And, you know, I just, you know, we took notice to it. But, you know, it very quickly, uh, when people from Corpus Christi were evacuating and we realized this was going to come on land, and I just kept thinking, you know, and they kept saying you're on the dirty side of the storm. And, you know, her, you know, Houston's been through this a lot. I mean, um, at no point was there a thought that we were going to evacuate because we didn't know where it was really going to go, um, which is exactly what they're dealing with with Irma. Um, you know, it hit landfall on Friday, um, which uh, I guess it was about two and a half hours uh, away from where we are, and then came up the coast. And then everything they said about it stalling and dumping um, was true. I mean, when I would get phone calls and people were like, we're seeing these pictures and all of these things, is this true? Yes. The pictures you saw were true and they're far worse than you, than you can even possibly imagine. I think the biggest thing that I felt very lucky and blessed about, and let me tell you, a lot of prayer went into our safety. At the end of the day, I was merely inconvenienced. It was a big inconvenience. There was a lot of stress to it, but I was inconvenienced. Two miles down the road, people are evacuating um, barns where they were six foot under raging water um, because of the Brazos River. There were so many different things and so many situations that you just can't even plan for and understand that ended up happening. And any judgment of someone saying, well, they didn't evacuate or they didn't do this, you don't understand until you're in the circumstance. I personally had um, the responsibility of 30 horses. The owners of the farm where I'm at um, were in Hawaii, and their daughter lives in the area. And most of the cli- the horses that are there are clients of mine. Um, and because there was no way to say, hey, kids, um, I'm just going to pack my horses up and leave, <laughs> you know, you have to figure this out. There was such a great sense of responsibility to make sure that everybody who brought horses to me to train, I had to take care of them. Someone dropped a horse off from San Antonio and had come for a lesson on Thursday and didn't even think that this was going to be an issue, you know, Um but I think the biggest thing, the biggest, the biggest thing is, is that we had a plan every step of the way. We're right by a creek that has never, ever come close to the barn on, um, on Monday evening, um, after just pelting continuous rain, we realized that there was a possibility that we were going to have to evacuate some of the horses. And so at that point, I have the most amazing people in that barn, um, the, the, the men that work there, the actual barn manager, um, Rose at this point is stuck in her neighborhood because roads were flooding that never should have flooded. Like they just, because of the, the continual constant rain, 50 inches of rain dumped on such a widespread area of Texas and all over Houston, um, that any rains that were, you know, dumping up to the north were eventually going to come south through rivers and streams and whatever. And then that affected reservoirs and reservoirs, um, would be breached. And then they're trying to let go of the floodgates and the floodgates, you know, because they were made in the forties ended up not letting out a little, letting out everything. So then those people, I mean, it was just constant. It was just constant. 
But the biggest thing was, is just having a group of people together to make plans. And, you know, we, we, we had, I had, you know, we had three different ideas of what we're going to do. And in the end, I realized at no point, the Creek behind us, even if it was at its highest was never going to be pulling so hard that if the horses had to stand in their stalls in water, that, um, it wasn't going to kill them. And, and I was like, okay, so if that happens and if it gets beyond this, like there was always these stages of where we were going to go. Um, and that the only reason I even could think that way or the other people is because I had been through a pretty catastrophic flood in Virginia, um, which was again, unprecedented. There was no way to prepare for it. And we just got, we got very lucky. I had very good friends that came in the middle of the night to help me. But because of that, I was like, okay, we have to have this plan. And then we have this plan. And then we have this plan. And I had reserved 30 stalls at Great Southwest um, to bring all the horses there. But (laughs) the problem was then as the rain started, you can't get the trailers out because you were now it had dumped 20 inches of rain. You couldn't get trailers out. We'd pulled a couple of trailers out on the driveway, but we couldn't pull them all out to get 30 out. So going back and forth to the Great Southwest posed a problem because then we were landlocked. We didn't know we were landlocked because we didn't know about these these you know these areas that were being flooded just by the consistent, unbelievable amount of rain. So it just every day <clears throat> um, there was posing new threats. Um, of what to happen. So we knew the best thing for us to do was to stay where we were, to stay calm and to keep the horses safe. And, and in the end, that's exactly what happened. But realizing that, you know, you can't get anywhere because you don't know if the road's flooded. And if you're in a horse trailer, you can't always turn around. So, um, you know, there's a thing here and I guess it's got to be throughout the country. It says, you know, turn around, don't drown. Well, they're not kidding because you just don't know what where that water is going to pull you. There was a, a family not far from here that were trying to evacuate um, some elderly couple. And I think both of them had dementia and they had children in the car and the van was just swept away in, into um, the waters. And they ended up finding it later. And it was it, this was on Tuesday, like well after you would think the main part of the event had happened. But like I said, in the end, we were inconvenienced. I, um, I live in a community. Um, I was telling Tigger and Jen this earlier, um, about 18 months ago when we looked into this development, cause it's so close to the barn and it was right down from where my son's high school, my daughter, Hannah and I drove and we're like, Oh my gosh, look at this cute little hill coming into the neighborhood. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a levee <laughs> and the levee two years in a row have now saved us, you know, from our houses being, you know, destroyed. And, my inconvenience was, is that I was out of my house for 10 days. Um, I fortunately had wonderful people that could put us up, but guys, you know, um, there were people that didn't know what to do. All the hotels were booked. Um, they were saying they wouldn't take animals. Um, you know, there were so many levels of things that you just can't even, it, it's even hard for me to remember at this point. Cause it just sort of, you just got to it's the point where blur, it wasn't even it? that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even that I was numb. It's just that it's like, okay, that's not important anymore. Check that off the box. Um, but during all of this, um, throughout the night for, for it, it had to be 48 hours, every hour on the hour, we were getting tornado warnings. Um, and it was, or which is the one that's the bad one, the warning or the watch. I can't remember anymore, but they were just the like, warning. and it would say the warning and it would say, take cover, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you're out in this 
pelting rain, trying to take care of horses and do stuff, um, there's nowhere to take cover. You just kind of look around, you know, and eventually you just silence your phone. I am not suggesting that to anybody. If you hear them, you're supposed to take these warnings, but you know, there's just, there was no sleep because it happened all throughout the night. You just don't know what's going to come. And the biggest thing is, is we were so lucky because we had a plan, a, a plan B and a plan C. And, um, you know, if the plan C had happened, <laughs> I knew Jesus was coming back. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, there is no way we're going to make it guys. So, um, but, um, you know, in the end we were very lucky. And then to just, you know, wake up each day and see people say, Hey, I need this. And just, and I will say this, I love slash hate Facebook. Um, Facebook saved so many lives this past week because people were able to put a, yo, I need this, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then I would share it. Somebody else would share it. Someone would call me, they would text me. And then there was a group of people that were helping people down at, in Wharton who, and this was the other part of this is people would evacuate and then they'd evacuate to an area that would flood and they wouldn't know it. And at this point, the rain had stopped and it's still flooding. So yeah, it's just, it's a little crazy. Um, Well, that's one of the functions and, and this, this tiny detail may have been lost on many people who um, were not able to obsess over the new, the, over the weather reports like Glenn and I did. It <laughs> was considered not a hundred year flood, but a thousand year flood, which means once in a thousand years, you can expect that amount of rain to hit that particular area. There's no mm-hmm. way when people make those plans of, if we have a flood, you evacuate to area A. When you have a mm-hmm. thousand-year event, there's no way they could know that Area A is going to flood. And so here's really the other get stuck thing: between a rock and a hard place. Well, you do because you there's nowhere to travel. The roads yeah. are closed. Um, you learn um, you learn that Google Maps um, on your iPhone isn't as good for road closure as Maps. By no. the way, that's just a little tidbit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, oh, I found was, that out yeah, pretty when quickly. We get to, when we get to tips, I have a, I have a pointer on that one. Okay, good. We'll keep. Yeah. And it's just, and I think that, and then someone said, and what I learned from everybody that's been here, uh, you know, for years and years is, you know, you, if you're going to evacuate, you got to evacuate a week out. And then there are a lot of people here that go, you're so stupid. Why are you evacuating? Blah, blah, blah. You know, but you know, they, they had a tropical storm, Allison, I don't know how many years ago and people were evacuating in horse trailers and they all got stuck because it, you know, there's what, 6 million people in Houston. If you're going to evacuate, uh, that takes a month. Um, so, you know, that's why people stayed. And I was, um, and I didn't feel like, I felt like there was maybe a little bit of criticism and that all kind of went to the wayside because you don't, you you know, if, if, you know, if you like, if, if, if something's coming, you have to leave a week early. That's all there is to it. I mean, there's just, that's all there is to it. But the population's um, so dense. Exactly. Yes. And you'll just get stuck in the road. And that's where people got killed during a tropical storm. They got killed during a tropical storm because they were stuck on the highways going north. And then you don't know where it's going to go. Then I had a a very dear friend of mine that um, during one of the, I think it was during Rita, um, evacuated to um, another part of Texas and got up there. And guess what? That's where the hurricane was going. So she turned back around and came back to Houston. So you don't know. It is unpredictable. It is where, you know, we're very, very fortunate because we have social media. We have media. We can, you know, be very in tune. It's also a level of fear that some of these people put into you because, A, it's their job. But you really have to have a plan. You just you just don't think about where you live 
until this stuff happens to you. I mean, it's what's today it's today. I don't even know what today is, but you know, the sun's been out for the last three or four days, you know, you drive around and you see the silt, um, from the floodwaters, um, on, on all the grass. And, um, you know, it's hard because you know that if you live any, near any body of water that's flowing, you may see things come down the river that you don't want to see. And there's a lot of animals that people couldn't get to, but let me tell you, there are a lot of animals that the people saved. And, um, there were cowboys on every corner girls with trailers and horses tacked up, ready to go in the minute they thought or were told that someone needed help. And they're just, there's story after story that is unbelievable. Just the people that I stayed with in this beautiful home in the back of, there's a neighborhood behind them, um, in the pelting rain, um, there was 12 people that ended up evacuating to a barn and then had to go to, thank God they had a second story and, um, they had to be rescued. They had to kayak them in all day and all night, kayak these people in. And these were people that had come from Victoria because they were trying to get out of the storm. So it was just, um, you know, it was, it was overwhelming. It was so many parts of it were wonderful because you see human nature wanting to help each other and no division of, of people, just, you know, people wanting to help people and the generosity and the just, you know, the overwhelming commu- sense of community, um, you know, because I keep wanting to focus on the positive, especially with the, you know, what's, what's currently, you know, heading towards Florida, you know, you think about, um, you know, how do you tell someone to be, pre- be prepared? And I think you just, you just, you just have to, you have to be able to depend on the people around you. And, um, I for one was very lucky because we weren't disappointed. Okay. Jennifer, you have a question. I I do. Sorry. I forgot to turn my volume back on. Um, I have, you had a plan a plan B and a plan C Mm -hmm. the plan, the parts of each of those plans, because I'm sure different ingredients and different ones of those got used up. Was there anything that you would have gone, you know, that part of the plan wasn't good. I should, I should scrap that if I ever have to go through this again? Oh, good question. No, there wasn't one thing. Well, no, there wasn't. Um, considering um, I had read, um, you know, I, I wanted to know how to tag the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured I'm going to be overkill. I wasn't going to freak Absolutely. anybody out. And keep in mind, I have all these clients that I'm texting and and I'm very lucky. Um, I think I'm lucky because I'm bossy. And I just basically said, okay, kids, here's the thing. You don't show up. This is how I'm taking care of your animals. I'm taking care of them like they are my own. When I make a decision, this is what's going to happen. If you don't like it, you can come and get your horse yourself. And not one person even questioned it, but you have to be sort of like very do, cut and dry. Yeah, you do have to be clear and concise and businesslike. Yes. You can't, you yes. can't waffle. Waffling is always bad in an emergency situation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we, um, I found out, you know, I, I had been told that you can mark the horse's hooves. Well, when you have that much rain, as much rain as we had, you can't see their, and and it's, and uh, you can't use enough permanent marker and it's the fat permanent markers. Um, and fortunately we had a a variety of colors, which we will talk about, um, later on in the show. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I'm, they're really, no, the, the thing is we plan a, Really, it never got to plan A and a half. We never had to go to plan B. Um, I'm very lucky because we have um, 
our barn, which is situated right next to a creek. And these people have lived here for 20 years. And out of all the hurricanes they have come through here, they've said it's never flooded. Well, it definitely got the highest it's ever been because of the 50, inch, the 50 inches of rain. Um, but my plan was if I had, you know, we had, we moved a couple of horses. So I guess plan A did get completed. I moved a couple of horses um, out of a few of their stalls and then put a couple horses outside and the owners were all fine with that because they would, they were, you know, with all the tornado warnings, they were sort of like, I kind of would rather them be outside. Well, one thing I'd like to point out is Texas has gumbo. And um, there was a point to where with these horses were out. And I looked at this one mare who was a little bit more sensitive and I, and I mean, they definitely had dirt on them and whatever, but I was like, Holy crap. Well, we had to bring her in because the gumbo had dried on her. And explain, it, I mean, she was totally f- explain gumbo. Um, g- gumbo. Um, is definitely something the devil came up with. Um, it's a very sticky um, sort of, I guess, mud. I'm probably not going to do uh, this any justice. If anybody from Texas is listening, I'm, I apologize. Um, it just becomes um, very, it's like red clay in Virginia. Okay, soil, um, dirt, soil. Yes, gotcha. sorry. Yes, sorry. Yes, yeah. And it, but, but what it does is when you have a horse that's outside in, in the rain, it just forms into something very hard like a brick. And, um, so it, you, you just have to be very mindful. It can suck their shoes off and whatever. And it can, you just have to always be very careful of it. Um, it's just hard to get off. So that was really the kind of the worst, um, stuff that we had to deal with, except for the fact, you know, the horses, the wind that came through when we got to the other side of the storm, cause we were on the dirty side of the storm for the first two days. And the dirty side of the storm is where all the the rain comes and the heavy winds and all that. When we finally got to the other side of it, I thought it was going to be a little bit better. Um, it truly wasn't it. Cause then, then, you know, I'm in the barn and it sounds like the roof's going to come off, you know, and, um, constant, I mean, again, the tornado warnings are coming up and whatever, but, um, yeah, so we were, I, I, and I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I don't know. The only plan that I didn't have and looking back was, well, what if there's a tornado? I, I don't well, know what I, what, what I don't plan know I can you make? Done. You, you, you know, hide yeah. under the bathtub. <laughs> That's all you yeah. can do. Well, we were kind of in an open, open area. It's sort of like, you know, at that point that, that got more to the plan C <laughs> where I'd be like, okay, this is my time. Told everybody I loved them. That's it. <laughs> no, I know where I'm going, you know, but, um, yeah. Um, but no, they're really, we were again. And the only reason I can say that with such, um, confidence is, I had been through some stuff before and knew how to handle it. And, um, and I had an amazing group of people, um, around me, not we would make every decision by committee. Okay. We're going to do this and this, everybody raise their hand. Everybody raised their hand. They said, yes, this is what we want. And then I would text the clients and say, okay, you have given me permission to do this. Yes, I do. This is, could be the, some of the consequences, not a problem. You, you know, you're in charge. So it was really, really, it, it went like a well oiled machine. Hello, Hattie. Hello, Hattie and Jennifer, and no doubt Tigger is there as well, causing some sort of havoc. <laughs> That's <laughs> Tiggy. <laughs> so, Hattie, um, our show today is sort of dedicated to um, Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. Oh, hurricanes. Yes, yeah, so oh, we would like hurricanes. your 
um, you know, what, what are tips you can share with our listeners on storm preparations for dogs? We're assuming that at the top of the list, the human must pack cheese. Yes. Well, sure. For certain, cheese is necessary. Now, if I may begin by saying that we have applied to be a foster home for dogs from who were evacuated from Texas before the storm, so that we will be doing our own little part in our hurricane effort. That is wonderful. Oh, thank you, Hattie. I love to hear that. I, of course typed the application myself, so <laughs> I think oh. some questions might come up from the foster people, but I indicated that while the servant leaves many issues to be desired, she is tolerable for a short period of time for a dog who has been in a cage. So you're going to do some fostering? Well, we hope so. We have not yet been approved. Aha. Uh-huh. I wonder if they they, they need to know that you're on the radio. I mean, if they know that you have a radio show, I would think yeah. like Flynn. You know, that was not a part of the application. In fact, if I may say, the application was very limited in its capacity to imagine the sort of home we could offer a foster dog. Well, what would you do for, like, for, for preparation? Uh, I, I mean, oh, there there's I, going to be another hurricane coming, so... What do you advise for the people in Florida? Well, so here is some advice that may, you know, seem a little strange to some, but I recommend it nonetheless. The (laughs) first thing you should do is get your animal flotation devices. We have floaties. You can get a little jacket. You can get a jacket for your pet so that if there is a problem like a flooding or whatever, you put the jacket on your pet and then you attach your leash to the jacket. Better to put it under the jacket in case something should happen. But that way, if you need to walk a long distance, your pet will have rotation. That's good advice. And you can bring your pet with you. And then another thing to really remember is when you're leaving, you pretty much only have what you can carry in case you have a long way. And so a collapsible bowl for water, you may not be thinking water because it's a flood, but a collapsible (laughs) bowl packs flat. And then you can have clean water and a water receptacle such as a water bottle is a good idea to bring with you one for you and one for your dog. Now, if you should have cats, I don't, first of all, they're not going to be happy. (laughs) <laughs> They're going to be pretty mad. True. Um, and so if I may recommend a few things, put your cat in a small crate mm-hmm. that is not too heavy and has a shoulder strap, like a bag. Like I have a bag like that. You put your cat in that and then you put the flotation device on that, not on the cat. Do not <laughs> put the jack on your cat <laughs> or you will not make it out of your house. Put it on the back. Lock the zipper so the cat cannot escape. Okay. Don't put the jacket on the cat. But you should have water for your cat, too, and a little bowl for your cat. And you should have food for your dogs and your cat and yourself. And although we are not really talking about the welfare of humans, because I am a humanitarian at heart, if I may recommend 
that people who are suspecting a, a big storm is coming should put some supplies that they can carry into an emergency pack. So you should bring with you the following things, cliff bars or power bars or something that you can carry. It's light. You don't want heavy things because you're going to get hungry as you walk for miles and miles and miles while I am floating in my little jacket. And then you should also pack for yourself some things like a waterproof flashlight and ah, yes. a crank radio because the power is going to be out for like a year. So <laughs> a whole year? A crank radio is going to be a good plan, good idea. You crank it up, good way to burn some calories. And then <laughs> you can go right ahead and you can put your stupid cell phone right into that and it will charge your phone and then your family will not think you died. That's very good. Excellent and, tips. So, yeah. Yeah. So those are my pieces of advice. Oh, you should also have floaties for you. Oh. Floaties. Is that what these are called? Floaties? You know, like a life jacket. Ah. Well, that because would be Because if it's very deep water, you yeah. should have that. You may think, oh, I'm a good swimmer. You're not a good swimmer. <laughs> okay. Not Let me that. just get this straight. No. <laughs> You're not going to be a good swimmer, and you're going to drown. So get your ice jacket on. There you go. Excellent advice, Hedwig. Thank yes. you, Hetty. Well, thank thank you. you, Hetty. I spend a lot of time consulting emergency manuals because I find life to be so precipitously terrifying. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you. I know some humans <laughs> who think the same way. Yes. Yeah, it's a very common experience. You know, the world is ending. Apocalypse now. <laughs> sort of zombie apocalypse that's right well here in florida we're expecting it's the um, zombie apocalypse yeah we're gonna have the alligator apocalypse in approximately five days so we will see you on the other side and thank you so much hetty for stopping by with those helpful hints did you see the alligators can climb trees oh don't go sit nor am i out of it Bye-bye, Hetty. Bye, Hetty. Thanks. Bye. And now it's time for the breed of the show. So we are keeping in our um, water theme for the show. <laughs> I didn't think of that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it was a ticker suggestion. And we've just, I've decided to do um, Labrador, um, which, as we hopefully all know, is a quite a water dog. Um I will, I'm going to raise my hand. Tigger never had a Labrador. Have you? I have. Oh, I've had two. Really? Yes. Well, you know, um, th something I learned today was there is a best breed list and the Labrador is on it. Um, I'm going to look They're a little bit more into that. They're one of the most that. popular dogs mm -hmm. in America. And actually, I guess worldwide, because... Um, Again, I've not had them before. I have a lot of friends that have them. I know that they're really great dogs. Um, and I think I know a lot of people get the Labrador and the Golden Retriever a little bit confused, but they're definitely different dogs. But the Labrador was um, was basically bred um, for hunting. They're a great sporting and hunting dog, but basically for waterfowl. But um, base more more so for long. Uh, durable, different types of terrain, um, you know, duck hunting type of thing. So they're really quite adorable dog, which 
then ties into them being a very good, um, uh, easy to train breed. Um, so they're very obedient, um, but they, they definitely need to be trained, which is, I mean, with any dog, obviously, but, um, they, um, they're, they're just, it sounds to me like they are just big, uh, lap warmers, <laughs> um, everywhere I read up on them is just like, you know, if you don't mind 80 pounds in your lap, that's a good dog for you. If you don't want your dog sitting on your lap, not the right dog. Um, personal, um, great family dogs. Um, they, um, a couple things that, um, I, I, I mean, I kind of knew, you know, they use labs a lot for, um, disabled, um, you know, autistic children, autistic people. I'm sure, you know, you guys both know this, but for the, for, for the blind, I mean, you, and I, I knew that, you know, they have a lab that she got that I guess didn't work. I guess there's breeding, there's breeders that actually breed the dogs to be therapy dogs. And some of them that don't make it end up, you know, be, they foster out or they adopt out. And these dogs go through this incredible training program of different things that they have to learn to do. Because if it's, you know, if it's for somebody that's, you know, in a wheelchair, they've got to learn how to open um, a refrigerator door. And um, I don't, have you guys ever seen them? The dogs do this? Yes. Um, yes. But it's, it's, it's remarkable. And the, the level of training that goes into it is remarkable. But anyway, um, they're, they're, it's, it's one of their number one uses. Well, then they're also, they were used as war dogs. And uh, one of the number one combat um, training dogs for like the British, the British army. And because of their trainability, they have used them a lot for the military as well. So anyway, getting more into their general appearance, they're stocky, strongly built, sort of medium sized, somewhat stocky, short coupled, and they have an otter tail, which helps them with swimming. They are, (laughs) this is funny. They're very good eaters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, love to be with their person. They're very loyal to one person, but great family dogs. They do need their exercise. It's, you know, moderate amount of exercise, not like, you know, a terrier would be, but not as bad or not as like low key as like a basset hound, but they do need their exercise. Fantastic with kids. Again, like I said, they've been used for therapy. They're therapy dogs. So they're good pillows. You know, you, they, they lie on the floor, the kids can lay on them. They're a great, a great family dog for, you know, one of the biggest things when my kids were growing up, I always wanted to have a dog that I knew if one of them jumped off the couch, they could land on my dog. Well, a lab would have been a great choice because they're just very even tempered. Um, and again, I just go back to the obedience factor and because they're good family dogs, um, their lifespan, um, it's a terrific dog for, for families with kids because they, they can live anywhere from 10 to 12 years, which is good because they're, they're a bigger dog, but not a huge dog. And as we all know, the bigger dogs don't last as long. Males are, um, anywhere from 60 pounds to about 90 females can be 60 pounds. Yeah. To about it's Try so to funny. lift that into get it into your car when you have to go to the vet. Well, it's so funny because it says 59 to 88 pounds for males or 59 to 77 for females. So, you know, just round up. But they're big dogs and they're stocky and um, <laughs> they're, you know, I'm sure lifting them into a car wouldn't be easy. Um, three different colors. There's yellow, black, and chocolate. Um, they don't, they have um, kind of the basic health concerns, you know, um, hip dysplasia, um, 
I think they can have some eye issues. But again, whenever you're buying a dog, you always want to go to a reputable breeder. But this, I think it would be a great, it's a great family dog. If you like hunting, um, if you, I think they're probably a good barn dog. Um, yeah, know, absolutely. Think. Great barn dog. And yeah. their love of water, any yeah. kind of water, swimming pools, yeah. horse troughs, creeks, ponds. They're even more water dogs than an Aussie. And they're great dock diving dogs. Yeah. And um, what is that one sport where they they have to dive in and go after something? What is that called? I can't remember the sport of what it's called. It's not, I want to say fly ball, but it's it's where they dive it's into dock a diving. Where they, oh, they oh, is run it? Yeah. and they jump after their toy and they it's measured in how far and how high they fly yeah they're supposed to be outstanding at that so they're, they're <laughs> unbelievable and i think for stuff like that they have endless energy but they're not they're not going to be your endurance dog that can go and go and go and go and go and no, go they're I mean, not an aussie yeah they're not an aussie yeah it's not they're not wound that at this at the or border collie you know they're right, not exactly as intense but they, I'll tell you, they are beautiful dogs. They're beautiful dogs. They're and they, you know, most of the labs that um, that I've known that people have had or, or that I've had, they've been the best all-around dog, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and they, they love kids and they love people and they're friendly. They're yeah. kind of like Newfies. So yeah, well, say. yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of funny because one of my first Newfoundland was a Newfoundland lab, um, which got me into Swissies, but, um, it just, it was absolutely a great cross between the two dogs. Um, so, um, so I recommend this is a great dog, easily trained, perfect for families. Yay. Yay. And now we're at Critter Nutrition. And this, it's, I'm going to talk about two new products from Biostar called Quantum and Impulsion. As you know, Biostar has never been a company that follows the pack. We stay true to our whole food principles and reach outside the box for important foods and plants that support equine health. Biostar has introduced ingredients to the equine industry that are unique, such as Chromin X3 and Optimum Healthy Weight, our high IgG colostrum. The Indian gooseberry extract in Circuvate and the organic Heritaki powder in Theracom. It's probably not a big surprise to many that Biostar once again brings to the equine industry a unique and very special Ayurvedic food from the Himalayas, Shilajit. We've incorporated Shilajit into our two new formulas, Quantum and Impulsion. These are multidimensional formulas that, on the surface, both provide protein for muscles, fat for energy, and fiber for the hindgut. Quantum contains coconut meal along with certified organic pumpkin seed meal from Oregon, the result of pressing oil from pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin meal contains high levels of bioavailable protein, fiber, and omega-3 fatty acids. Pumpkin seeds are also a good source of arginine, synthesized into nitric oxide in the body. Nitric oxide plays a critical role in circulation, in regulating acid and gastric mucus secretion, and has gastroprotective properties important for horses with ulcer sensitivities. Impulsion contains coconut meal plus hemp seed meal, the result of pressing hemp oil from the seeds. Hemp seed meal provides high levels of bioavailable protein, fat, including the fatty acids, and fiber. 
Impulsion has an impressively low non-structural carbohydrate value of 5.1%. Below the surface of these two muscle-supportive, energy-supportive, and hindgut-supportive supplements, quantum and impulsion provide unique cellular support, the bedrock of energy in the body. No matter how much fat we feed a horse for energy, or how high the carbohydrate load from grains, or how much protein is in the diet, there is a critical cellular process that converts food to energy. Small organelles inside the cells called mitochondria convert fats, sugars, protein, and oxygen into usable sources of energy with the help of an essential nutrient made in the body called CoQ10. This nutrient plays an important role with the mitochondria in the conversion of usable energy known as ATP. ATP provides 95% of the cellular energy that powers all living functions in the body, and it is referred to as the energy currency. If the mitochondria in the horse's body are functioning less efficiently due to aging or metabolic imbalances, there will be a reduction in ATP, which will affect muscles and organs and cellular repair. Chronic oxidative stress and inflammation can also reduce the efficiency of the mitochondria, as can toxins, diet, chronic stress, or certain medications. Because the mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cells, they are critical for cellular energy, signaling, repair, and growth. A loss of function in the mitochondria will increase muscle fatigue and can affect tissue repair, increase joint deterioration, and increase immune system imbalances. Mitochondrial dysfunction can be both the cause and consequence of chronic inflammation or chronic stress. Simply feeding more energy foods will not help the functioning of the mitochondria. Mitochondria reside in large numbers outside the nucleus of every cell. These organelles contain their own DNA and exchange biological signals with the DNA housed in the cell. Animal research has demonstrated that alterations in mitochondrial function in response to mild stress can lead to distinct physiological changes in hormonal, metabolic, and behavioral systems. According to a study, quote, stressful experiences on their own do not cause damage or disease. Rather, it is the organism's responses to stress that have the potential to result in physiological dysregulation and dysfunction, culminating in allostatic load and disease. In this emerging paradigm, mitochondria lie at the interface of genetic and environmental factors contributing to disease trajectories. Shilajit is a nutrient-dense biomass resin formed during the late Triassic period in the Himalayas and Caucasus Mountains. It has been used in Ayurvedic medicine for over 3,000 years and translates from the Sanskrit to conqueror of mountains, destroyer of weakness. It is classified in Ayurveda as a Rasayana food, meaning rejuvenating and revitalizing. Western herbalists have classified shilajit as an adaptogen, a substance capable of increasing the body's resistance to adverse influences. Adaptogens have a normalizing or restorative effect on the body at whole. <clears throat> Research has shown that shilajit supports the mitochondria to convert fat and sugars into ATP, thus enhancing the production of ATP. Shilajit improves mitochondrial function, enhances CoQ10, and protects the mitochondrial membranes from oxidative damage. 
in essence, Shilajit goes to the heart of cellular energy. Both quantum and impulsion provide real food and nutrients to support the whole horse, beginning with cellular energy and muscle energy. Whole horse support includes bone remodeling, collagen production, circulatory support, and gastroprotective qualities. The differences between quantum and impulsion. Impulsion is geared specifically to the easy keeper metabolic horses that need low NSC food. The NSC of impulsion is 5.1%, but these horses also need muscle energy for their work and training. These are the horses that don't need more calories. They need more mitochondria reinforcement for metabolism and reduction of inflammation. They need more ATP for cellular energy. Impulsion also supports bone remodeling and collagen production from the effects of organic kale, which is an important source of vitamin K in concert with shilajit. Quantum includes muscle recovery support and additional bone support. Research from Australia has shown that vitamin K1 plays an important role in bone metabolism. Vitamin K1 is produced in living green plants through photosynthesis, but unfortunately begins to degrade when the grass is cut and made into hay. Horses who are not on fresh pasture 10 to 12 hours per day may not be getting enough vitamin K1. Quantum also provides the super antioxidant astaxanthin, which is beneficial for reducing oxidative stress and inflammation. There are many supplements and feeds that provide horses with energy via fats or grains or high protein, and yet none of them address the fundamental cellular component. The mitochondria that are essential for energy production, cell signaling, cell repair, and cell growth. Impulsion and quantum support the proper functioning of the mitochondria, which is the foundation of real health and real energy. So we've arrived at Coffee Clatch, and in, in keeping with our theme of the show, um, we're going to talk about storm preparedness tips. And I'm going to start with Patty, since she's most recently um, <laughs> yeah. um, been preparing. And um, Yes, um, and hopefully this will help people that are in Florida. Um, so, I mean, mainly I'm going to talk about, you know, horses, just because that was sort of my biggest thing. My animals, um, my, my dogs and every, were all with me and very safe. So I'm just going to address what was my biggest thing. Um, learned a lot of stuff. Number one, um, you need to, um, I'm asking everybody in my barn. I'm not asking, I'm telling them they will have their own hurricane kit, which is going to be a very big fat, uh, permanent marker. Um, it only, cause you want to mark them on their shoulder, um, your number and name. Um, if you know, the winds get high and I'm not, you know, I, I, it's, uh, I've heard in the past to do it on their hoof. The problem is the rain that we had, it wouldn't have stayed on their hoof and you can't see their hoofs. So you want to use either silver for like a, a bay or a black horse, but you want to use the fat marker, um, and you know, write your name and number. Um, there's key tags. Um, I think you guys have seen them. Like sometimes when you on halters, like the thoroughbred people yeah, use. Right. But they're the, they're more, they're a rectangle and they're enclosed. Um, oh. Yes, they're not the not the circle ones because those are just exposed sort of paper. You want the ones that are in the plastic, um, in addition to marking them on the shoulder because you want to have a plan A and a plan B, right? Um, uh, for that, and uh, the other thing you can do is there's also the the collars. You know the halter, 
Uh not the halters, but the tag, the things you can put around their necks. Um, The only issue with that is that if they're nylon, that becomes an issue, but that is just another consideration. Um, Have three plans. Um, If you're, you know, in a barn, um, have what you think will happen, um, you know, what you think is going to happen, have what could be beyond that, and then have like, seriously, I've got to get these horses on a trailer out of here. For instance, have horses, you know, the trailers pulled out on a driveway, um, not through, you know, deep mud, um, that kind of a thing. Um, order your hay and your grain beforehand, have plenty of hay and grain. Cause it's not the initial impact of the storm. That's the problem. It is the weeks afterwards because you don't know if your hay or your grain supplier is even going to be open. So you mm-hmm. have to have plenty of sources of that. Um, Obviously, try to have a generator if you can just to run the water, which would be great. But have those um, – I travel with these uh, when I go to Florida because sometimes horses don't like the water in Florida initially. But I have these jugs of water that I travel with. But fill up every available yep. um, bucket of water, uh, muck tubs of water, um, you know, outside Horse troughs, yeah. Horse troughs, anything. And, yeah, let it sit if you have to. Um and last uh, but not least, um, because of the barometric change, the winds, the stress, I cut all the horses' feed in half. Um, we were fortunate. We were actually able to continue to work the horses, keeping their schedule. Horses are very schedule-oriented. Um, if you can keep their lives somewhat the same, even though there's stuff surrounding that's going on that's crazy, um, but cut their feed in half and give them plenty of hay. Um, do, do this during the worst part of the storm because then that way um, their horses aren't getting the same amount of grain and then not getting out of their stalls. Um, and they're still eating. They're not hungry. Um, but it just is an important factor that a lot of people forget. And then they're a week down the road and they're like, oh, geez, I totally forgot that. I always do that kind of going into it. Cut it in half and then increase their hay. What do you have, Tiggy? Well, um, I I got a tip from God knows where I was on, on the internet about huh. a company called Water Bob. Oh, and it's it's a disposable one time use only uh, drinking water storage of a hundred gallons. Oh, really? Yeah, and it it costs like twenty three ninety five. Or it did when her, like I told this to somebody else yesterday and they went online. It was, it had jumped from 23 to 83 today. Oh, I'm just goodness. looking at it and it's 99 99. Oh my gosh. So um, a good time to be buying it would be after Irma has passed and just have it on hand. Yeah. Um, they say you can put it in your bathtub. Um, actually, Peter, um, is you know erecting a sort of a I don't want to call it a scaffolding but a um an, an area where it's mounted up so he can gravity feed it and you you can fill it up with a garden mm. hose. Okay. Um, it does have a siphon with it. Um, it keeps water fresh for twelve weeks. Wow! Oh, that is awesome! It's awesome. So it's called that, Water Bob Emergency water Drinking Bob, Water okay. Storage. Oh, that's yeah, and it's and on it, Amazon. But I would wait until after, after this is over. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but you know what, Tigger? That's something, guys. We should put up on the Facebook page for the listeners because that is an outstanding idea. Oh yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And then there is yeah. another one. 
And you can get ones that are bigger, like 300 gallons and 200 oh, gallons. Right. Um, but there's another one. I can't find it. But you have to do a search on Amazon that you is designed. It's not as big. It's maybe only 40 or 50 gallons. But it's designed to go in a wheelbarrow. Okay. Oh, yes. So, I know which one you mean. I've seen those. Yeah. They're from Europe. Yeah. It's, it looks what like is, a giant plastic bag, but it's got a, a little twisty knob on the front, and you put it in a wheelbarrow, and, you know, you dump out a wheelbarrow, and then the water comes out the little spigot. It's really cool. Yeah. It's on Amazon. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you could, you know, walk down the aisle and fill buckets with it. Oh, cool. Okay. And um, from the, from the you know, uh, pet point of view, um, really stock up on pet food because mm-hmm. you don't um, know running out of that is h2 h2 go bag that yeah. jennifer is just uh that's the name of it yep. so if you need it for your for your wheelbarrow it's the h2o h2 go bag yep you know i i know this is common sense that you want to make sure that you've got plenty of animal food but um make sure you have plenty of animal food for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's funny because, um, you know, my daughter lives in Wellington and having, uh, been fresh off this thing, she said, okay, what is your advice? And I said, well, they told us to be ready for two weeks because one of the things that people have to realize is, um, words they can't necessarily get trucks in because supplies. now, yeah. yeah. Cause we're having this gas shortage. Like my, and local- there's the electricity issue. Exactly. And so when we had gone through the hurricane in Florida, we were out at electricity for two weeks. So that was a thing there. And it was the same thing with gas. With Hurricane Isabel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's just been everywhere. Uh, Common denominator. Let's not talk about that. But anyway, um, but the gas shortage thing becomes an issue too. And um, so that's why you just have to make sure you have plenty of food for your, for your pets. And they, they told, they said for the Houston people, you know, be prepared for two weeks, um, which we did, which we did. What do you have, Jennifer? What what, what are your tips? Well, um, I just thought of this one the other day and you alluded to it earlier in the show today, Patty how your your cell phone is not necessarily helpful when it comes to trying to navigate flooded roads and closed roads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the interruption in cell service, the interruption and lack of being able to charge your phone. Your emergency kit, your go bag, whatever you want to call it, needs to have a a road atlas, which is a United States road atlas with all the states, and B, Mm. a state map in the state from which you are that's fleeing. a great idea yeah, yeah very because much. that's going to tell you a whole lot more than your phone's going to tell you yep yep <laughs> the phone yeah the i always gonna, have wait. an atlas in my car yeah the phone's I, just going to ask you to make a u-turn you know right. so that's yeah one my, my yeah my peter um will he always has an atlas it's funny he's so old-fashioned um and for somebody who for who drives for a living um he that's what he that's his go-to so it's Me it's too. it's good that you mentioned that um, another one, um, I, I, I've been seeing this a lot today already. We are in Ocala, which is literally central Florida. We're smack in the middle of the long part of the state. We're centrally located. We're not on the coast, but in light of recent events in Texas, everybody's taking this threat very, very seriously here. So already 
um, it's hard to find drinking water at stores. And sure. bread, evidently. And bread, evidently. Oh, bread's always a big deal. Yeah. Bread. But, yeah. yeah. Hello, yeah. you don't need to buy the water. Right now, you have perfectly good running water. All mm-hmm. you need are mm-hmm. containers. Exactly. Yes. So either purchase a bunch of inexpensive water-safe containers or yep. recycle ones you've got. And these are all things that I have done in emergencies when I needed to, to collect water in a really big hurry. Um, you can use Ziploc baggies. Mm-hmm. You can, if you stack them up upright like file folders in a box, they work pretty good. Wow. Then, um, empty coolers, mm-hmm. empty Tupperware, empty wine bottles. Yes, they work. Yep. They, <laughs> they have an extra benefit that the water tastes better, too. No. Um, so <laughs> any empty container will do, <laughs> in other words. Um, we've, we've even been known to empty out plastic totes that we store files in for our business in a hurry, you know? Um, so there's no reason to not have water people. If they'd run out of drinking water at the store, make do. Um, and I can't stress enough that you really need to have, like you said, Patty, forage for your horses. A Mm. lot of people, they, they need to get the heck out of Dodge with their horses. They forget to bring food along for their horses. They put hay Mm. in the hay net. Stuff right. and cram as much hay or cubed yeah. forage or whatever you have available to you as you can to take with you because that's what runs out first because that's what the horses need most. Yep. And cubed yes. cubed hay is your friend because it's so easy to transport or pelleted right. hay yeah. if if that's mm-hmm. if that's what you can get a hold of. Um, when I go out tomorrow, I can only fit six bales of hay in my store hay room at a time. Well, if I have to oh. be a week. That's going to be getting low, you know. Right. Uh, so I'm going to pick up a couple of extra bags of cubed hay so that if push comes to shove, I have a reliable source of forage for my animals for an extended period of time. And may I also suggest chaff hay? Comes chaff in hay. Yes, that comes in a big plastic, plastic bag like shavings do. Yes. Yep. An it's, excellent source. It, and it's a super food. Yeah. It's great for them. Super they love forage. to eat it. Um, and they love to eat it's it. It's easy to store. And you don't have to, to soak with. it. Yep. Mm. Like a cube. So, um, yep. yeah, Chalk I always hay. have several bags of that on hand always. Now, down and, here- and, what, and the point is that whether you're dealing, I mean, look at the terrible fires in the West. I know. So even though we've been talking about hurricanes, if you right, have to evacuate for a fire, the same things apply. Of course, you got to get your animals out of there. Right. But yes. um, I, I think the time because of Harvey is over that, we just sit and watch something. I, I think Harvey has been a great lesson to everybody, whether it's wildfires or or tornado warnings or, you know, terrible thunderstorms where you're going to lose power. It It's just a good idea to, to always be ready. Try not to be on the edge. Yeah. yeah. You know, yes. have your car have mostly be filled with gas most of the time. Yeah. You know, I, I learned that lesson the hard way and, in Hurricane Isabel. And I found that, that, you know, having, uh, these big cooling devices, because in Hurricane Isabel, I had to drive two hours one way to get ice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, a million people were out of power in Virginia. Yeah. So they couldn't make ice and they couldn't keep ice. Yeah. So, you know, four hours a day, I was going to get ice and I went, this is, this is nuts. So I stocked up on these big, uh, you know, freezing 
bags for cooling food and mm. I've got them on hand and if we lose power I just get them out and into the coolers and I don't have to worry about ice for a while. You know something yeah. I discovered here in Ocala? I don't know if they do this in other places in the world. Some of the grocery stores sell dry ice. Dry oh. ice? Yes, you can buy dry really? ice at the grocery store oh, which lasts 10 times longer than regular ice. Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. So I thought I told Glennis, you know, why don't you mm. stop and pick some of that up today? <laughs> because yeah. if, if if we lose power in our refrig for our refrigerator, we have a teensy weensy itsy bitsy refrigerator. It's going to defrost in a hurry. It's like right. apartment size. So we are SOL trying to keep anything cold. Oh, and that was something else that I came up with because um, I'm I'm in charge of errands tomorrow. Mm. If your emergency medical kit for your for your horses and your pets is um, depleted, like mine is. Before the disaster hits, it's a good time to make sure it is restocked. For example, I have no banamine left. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I said, yeah. I really, if I'm going to be someplace where I don't plan on my horse getting sick, but by golly, if there's an issue and he can't get here for a day, yeah, antibiotic cream, exactly, antibiotic cream and vet wrap and And vet wrap, exactly. I've I've always got tubes and tubes and tubes of antibiotic cream around. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Um, so I have to go kind of go out and, and get a few things restocked there and uh, get that taken care of. So, yeah. And also, if you have more horses than spots in your horse trailer, it's a good idea to make friends with other people who have mm-hmm. fewer horses than they have spots in their horse trailers and have a Amen. plan A and a plan B. Right, Patty? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Amen. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing is just having a way to get all the horses out and yeah you know and it's just looking at facebook now and all of our friends that are in wellington you know thinking about what they're going to do and you know some people stay there year round now and you know i've heard a couple people say i owe it to these horses i can't leave these owners horses and that's exactly how i felt yeah i couldn't leave these you know these horses and we were fortunately we, we were prepared even though we didn't know how little we were prepared, if that makes sense. Um, we just happened to have stuff and do a little bit of reading. And again, I would like to point out as much as I love to hate um, Facebook, it saved so many lives. And um, because it was such an easy way to go, you know, look and see what is the best way to prep yourself for an animal, um, you know, or a horse or whatever, like finding out about not riding on the hoof and riding on the shoulder, that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. It was such a major thing and, and just getting help out there. But Jen, you're so right. If you don't have a horse trail, if you have a horse and you don't have a horse trailer and you live in an area where hurricanes come through, you either need to buy a horse trailer or you need to make sure you have a way out because yeah. that was the biggest thing is too many people assumed that they had a spot on, on my trailer. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> what I've noticed I mean, this no. time around, again, Facebook has been so very useful, and it's very interesting watching this whole thing play out, is a lot of people who haul livestock locally or regionally are putting posts up saying, hey, I've got a rig. If you need to get your horse to safety, um, contact me and I will put you on my list so that when push comes to shove and the governor comes on and says, okay, everybody out, you are on the list and have a spot in my rig. And they're doing this, and the the storm's not supposed to be here till Sunday. So they're doing this already, which I think is kind of, it's kind of refreshing to see people going, oh, gosh, maybe I should make a plan. 
<laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and I think, but don't you think so much of this is because Harvey just happened yes, and it was so so close on the absolutely. heels? Absolutely, yeah, and and it wasn't like you know I know some of these things kind of come through and they're kind of in and out. I mean, Harvey stayed for days and days and days. I saw this Facebook post, something about, and I probably won't do it justice, but something to the effect of that's what we get for naming um, a major hurricane after a man. He came into the area, never asked for directions on how to get out, just, you know, petered around, blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, I, it was just sort of like, oh my God, that's so true. Um, but yeah. Um, but I think that I think that the number one thing that I'm going to walk away from this is um, is to just because it's not a hurricane, like you said, Jen, or it's a fire or it's something, you just be prepared. Don't don't allow yourself to get low. I know everybody does that. Things happen. But, um, you know, we were so fortunate. Um, we had just gotten a hay delivery. We were able to get grain. We were, you know, mm-hmm. so our horses, like at the very least, even if. I couldn't control or we couldn't, I keep saying me, it wasn't, it was far from just being me. It was a group of wonderful people. We were so prepared to at least feed our, and water our animals. Well, that's, you know, if you can't do that, nothing else matters, does it? Well, yeah, but even if they were going to be standing in water, I was going to take care of those suckers. You know what I mean? And, um, that was huge peace of mind. Huge. So good tips, guys. Really, really good tips. Hopefully none of us will have to use them in the immediate future again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it's always good to be prepared regardless. And, and just one, and one other tip, uh, if I, if I may, um, is there are tons of people that have small animals and, uh, and they don't think that they can go. The one thing I learned during this whole thing is, hotels will absolutely take animals. If you're desperate, do not leave your animals at homes. They, you just don't know what's going to happen. Put them, they're better off in your car. Um, they're better off being with you in the hotel parking lot. I am telling you, I mean, we had a man that had to bring his donkeys over to these wonderful people. Um, Steve and Nancy Kemp where we got to stay. And this was a man that, um, uh, played professional football and he had to bring his donkeys over because his farm, his house was flooding, and he didn't expect it. And um, I've never—it was the most touching thing I've ever seen. He was going to sleep in his car by them, by the fence, and we were able to bring him in the barn and take care of him. But you know, yeah. it, people need to tear a page out of his book because just don't think it's going to be okay. Take your animals. One of the biggest devastations that has happened in Houston is too many people got out thinking that people wouldn't help and it's not true put your animals in the car put them in the car with you get them get them with start you driving. because it's going to end up. start driving start driving um call friends get on social media do whatever but do not leave your animals at home they need to come with you yeah there you go, yep. there you go. So. and with that we're going to wrap this up the choco block full of crazy cool fun and uh slightly mm. scary tips Yes, but preparing. <laughs> and stay preparing. safe, everybody. And stay, and stay safe. safe. Stay safe. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. 
As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 